really important for me to set expectations with everybody that they could provide me with feedback and prov and I could provide uh, them with an environment where they can feel comfortable giving me that feedback. I think without that, you don't know what your results are as a manager or a leader. Hi, I'm Aaron Levy, and I have this crazy vision of a workplace where your manager doesn't suck, where instead of being the reason you quit your job is actually the reason you stay, where your manager is your coach, helping you to reach your full potential at work. I founded Raise the Bar, wrote Open, Honest, and Direct, and started this podcast to help companies transform their workplace by creating an environment where both the company and employee wins. In this podcast, I get to interview leaders who've built high-performing teams and learn from them on what it takes to unlock a team's potential. Today, I'm lucky to have Tim Shum, the founder and president of Lucas James Talent Partners. In just 20 months, Tim started Lucas James and grew his team to 32 people, and then COVID hit. In this episode, Tim shares the step-by-step -step process he took to lead his team through the crisis, what it takes to build a culture of feedback, and the daily practices he follows to make sure he shows up at his best for his team and his family. Enjoy. Welcome, Tim. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, pleasure being here. Thanks, Aaron. Much appreciated. Yeah, our conversation about maybe one or two weeks ago, you were talking about how you, you lived through the 2008 crisis and crash as an employee, and you started to see what your employer was doing at the time. And how did that impact how you've shown up now as a business owner and founder and leader of, of, a, of a larger team? Sure. And I started Lucas James Talent Partners just under two years ago. I was 21, 22 year old, two years old in 2006. The first two years of my career, everything was good. Economy was good. Everyone was getting jobs. There was low unemployment. Uh, people were getting increases to their salary, raises all the time. I had started my career at a recruiting and staffing firm that's one of the largest recruiting companies in, in North America. So during that time where everything's on the up and up and everybody's hiring. Uh, that meant for us as recruiters or salespeople in a recruiting firm, everything was great. So that's like all I knew when I came out of college was like, this wasn't easy, but there was a lot of people being successful and I was successful as a result. And then uh, in 2008, I was 24 years old. The bottom fell out. There was the bank bailouts. There was the cash for clunkers. Bush was putting stimulus and checks into people's hands. And uh, that really started to tighten up the economy. So being at a recruiting firm, it was almost one of the worst places to be. Outside of maybe, you know, an auto dealer, recruiting was probably right behind that in terms of industries that got impacted the most. You know, that was a really rough experience. I think the previous organization I was part of had, you know, thousands of internal employees. We had a riff a reduction in force of about, I can't remember, maybe 10% of the staff in February of uh, 2009. So we had this period of maybe four, five, six months kind of leading up to it where things were bad. We knew revenue was impacted. We knew leadership was stressed out and it just dealt with this period of uncertainty for most of us that were just kind of like you know, front of the line kind of staff for middle level management during that time. And what I remember during that time is, you know, during the reduction in force, uh, at least the, uh, there was like 200 branch locations. My branch location uh, really only had one or two people that were impacted by this reduction in force. And I remember leadership looked at it as kind of a win 
like, hey, we, we weren't impacted that much during this reduction in force. Um, but looking back at that situation, the months prior leading up to that, that decision or that period uh, were very, very, very stressful times. I remember it was either every week or every other week, you kind of like look over your shoulder and one of your counterparts is let go. There was like unrealistic expectations for the times put on us that it's almost like the goals that were set prior to this situation, you know, were still intact, even though there was a tidal wave going up against us. And it just really caused this, uh, this just really, really rough environment where you're always looking over your shoulder, your friends were being let go. Yeah, I just, I, I just remember that. And that sticks with me to this day. And I, uh, you know, we had talked about that a couple of weeks ago, because now I'm the leader of my organization. And I just, you know, w- w- wanted to make sure I did things a little bit differently. So now fast flash forward 12 years, and you know, you're leading a team now, and you've grown Lucas James significantly in, in just a few short years and are still in recruiting. Yeah, even taking a step farther back. So I started the business in July of 2018 from July, end of July of 2018, from July 2018, fast forward 20 months to, you know, beginning of March 2020. There was uh, 32 team members, still is, you know, three senior salespeople, the level of management, you know, we really kind of scaled this thing up quick. And then for the listeners, we provide what's called on-demand recruiting outsourcing solutions. So we have a team of senior recruiters and candidate sourcing specialists and clients hire us on an hourly basis to essentially either act as their talent acquisition function or as an extension of an existing team. So our our model is very uh, cost-effective. If companies are doing a lot of hiring, we're gonna grow, you know? So it made a lot of sense why we were growing so fast when the economy was, was really good. And then this COVID situation impacted everybody as such that companies were looking at their finances to make sure that they could continue to hire. In some cases, take a step back and part ways for low layoff employees. Uh, or two, companies that still want to hire because everybody's at a stay-at-home order, this is impacting the ability to conduct a f- full life cycle recruiting process to actually meet the candidates that you're looking to hire. So it's almost like this worst case, like middle scenario. So uh, sure enough, you know, we had companies, you know, pause or scale back hours or pause over a 10 day period. And uh, the good thing with our model, when I started the business, I said, all right, I need to figure out a recession proof recruiting model so we could kind of weather storms because it was inevitable that there was going to be a recession. Now our model works well in a recessionary environment to keep costs low and keep things flexible and so on and so forth. But we were in this middle period where there was a lot of uncertainty around um, how long the stay at home order was going to uh, occur, what the impact of the economy and our customer base is going to happen. So we scaled back revenue pretty significantly for, for a short period of time. And uh, this hit me and said, all right, the, the way that I had modeled the business out in January of 2020 to put our year-long goals and our quarterly goals, I really have to toss that out the window. I can't look at the same playbook and say, all right, I'm just going to keep my head down and keep grinding and make sure we're kind of getting through this. Uh, I really started to go into you know, what I would consider strategic emergency, you know, best case, worst case, likely case scenario kind of planning. And I just started, you know, even middle of March to kind of 
look at costs in the business that were unnecessary or, or maybe luxury items, right? So travel costs out the window, events out the window, you know, additional like marketing spend out the window, you know, look, took a look at my salary, took a look at leadership and equity holders, you know, salaries, um, but really made the decision that I'm going to be a hundred percent transparent and honest with the team. And that will do everything possible to not only keep the team intact, but look at each individual situation and make sure that they're coming out of this thing in a good spot. Just knowing that, you know, I went through something very similar 11 years ago where there wasn't a lot of trans transparency, authenticity, and um, caused a lot of issues from an environment standpoint. Um, the worst case scenario didn't happen. What's close to the worst case scenario didn't happen, but uh, it could have happened. So, you know, what I said to myself was, all right, let me make some moves. Let me have some dialogue with the team now. Let me ask leadership to sacrifice with me on uh, things like salary and benefits. Let me ask other team members to uh, make some sacrifices too for the greater good of what we're trying to build and the organization and each individual team member. And if it's not a worst case scenario and like I'm overdoing this, I'm overthinking it, we'll just put everything back. But at least... I can be very clear with everyone and that I believe as your leader, this is super serious. I believe that this is gonna have some uh, impact on the business and I'd rather be forthcoming and transparent because everybody's got families, individual situations, personal finance situations that they need to be aware of what's, what's happening right now. And you said it's kind of a moving target. Where have you been focusing your energy now as a leader uh, of this team now that you're out of the, you know, initial phase of it, but it's, the world is different. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in a on-demand recruiting outsourcing business. I think regardless of your, if you're a product or service, if you're B2B, B2C, you have to, as a leader, look at your product or service and how your product or service worked in the previous environment that was bull market, uh, lots of consumer confidence, lots of business confidence, lots, lots of uh, external and internal investment, what the value drivers were previously and what the playbook around that, that environment was. And then look really hard around your product or service and, and ask yourself, what are the value drivers in this new normal kind of environment? What are the things that our product or service benefits individuals, the buyer, in this environment. And I think that's the first thing you have to do. You have to pivot that very, very quickly. What worked, you know, a year ago is not necessarily going to work uh, in this environment, especially our service. You're going to come across very tone deaf. So make sure you're tweaking that from a sales and marketing perspective. I, I have, uh, as a small business owner, I have the responsibility to be putting our business in the most optimal position in this environment. So I'm locking arms with our, you know, three sales team members. And then every day, Monday through Friday, we're getting creative on how we find new business opportunities in this environment, which is a complete, diff completely different sales process than we were doing before when we can meet people in person. And then just from a leadership perspective, I think it's important to have a lot of touch points when there is some uncertainty that's outside of our control, like this COVID-19 situation on a daily, weekly, 
basis with the team so people know where they stand and there's not like a significant amount of time that passes without knowing what's on Tim's mind or um, knowing what, what we're doing from a business perspective to get ourselves through this. What do those touch points look like? I want to make sure that, you know, we get these team Zoom calls on some sort of frequency and consistency where everybody knows from me uh, what we're doing in the business. Everybody's updated. Everyone kind of knows the good, bad, and ugly. And, you know, uh, if something not great happens or we have some, uh, you know, period of adversity, I'll let everybody know. Uh, but I always highlight the wins to uh, make the team understand that, like, the, the leadership at the helm is pushing this thing forward. Uh, this comes up in certain ways of weekly one-on-ones with individual team members. We have a, a two-day or two-times-a-day touch point with the sales team every day, nine and four. What are you doing today? How did the day go? What do you have set up for tomorrow? And then coupled with just some humanity into mm-hmm. it because we're all you know in this together and in this kind of unique situation. And then it's just making sure that uh, everybody that needs some Tim time is getting some Tim time. So everybody is reacting to just general adversity differently. And I think everybody's reacting to this situation differently and everyone's in a, in a different personal situation altogether. So making sure that I'm providing what each individual team member needs in that moment uh, when they need me. My original management philosophy was I was a good individual contributor. I did things a certain way. I have certain wants and needs from my manager or lack thereof, uh, meaning I want my manager to kind of stay out of my hair every once in a while. And I'm just going to manage all 55 people uh, the, the same way. And if I can do that, I'm going to be successful as a leader and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rise all the ships. And then boy, did that, you know, uh, come back on me <laughs> and hit me in the face. Um, I realized very quickly that I need to be almost like an actor playing the part of what that person needs in that moment and get really good at that um, and get really good at identifying who that person is, what they need in that moment, and just what they need in general. And um, you know, once that clicked for me, and then once I was able to like try that hat on a bunch to make sure that it fits, I think that's when I became and we became very successful as a unit. What made that click for you? Lots of feedback. I think if you're if you're a business owner, if you're like a frontline manager with a few direct reports, you're managing managing manager uh, managing other managers. You have to have some folks that you can trust that will shoot you straight on how you're showing up to the rest of the team. Because I think all of us have certain blind spots around how we show up in certain situations. And we might walk out of a a team meeting, a speech, an individual conversation, patting ourselves on the back, but we might have missed the boat. And I, I realized that I had major blind spots. And the only reason I knew about those blind spots is because. I had, I had team members that uh, would shoot me straight. And I would have team members because of existing relationships that would shoot me straight. But I also found that it was really important for me to set expectations with everybody that they could provide me with feedback and, prov- and I could provide uh, them with an environment where they can feel comfortable giving me that feedback. And once I got that feedback loop of Hey, Tim, uh, that didn't land well with me. Or, hey, Tim, that didn't land well with the group. You might want to take Sally aside and make sure that 
she knows what you're saying because I don't think you articulated that well. You might have some some issues with Sally. Or in an, in an individual conversation, hey, Tim, this is what I heard. Let me just make sure I heard you correctly because it, it hit me the wrong way. And then I, I think without that, you don't know what your results are as a manager or a leader. How did you manage to establish that environment where people were able to say, hey, Tim, I think you're off base. Hey, Tim, that didn't hit me the right way. It sounds great, but it, I just know it's hard for people to give feedback to their manager or their, their boss's boss. Yeah. Well, first, I think the, like, the first thing you have to understand is you have psychological size, right? And the easiest way to understand that is when you were a junior employee or you were entry level and you viewed your manager, your manager's manager in a certain way, you have to reverse that and say, I'm now this person with this psychological size for this employee. So without that, I just, you know, you might be looking at the dynamic of the relationship a little bit differently. So how do you create that environment? Uh, First, uh, it has to start with you. You have to let your ego go to the side. Um, You're not always right. You do things wrong. You can always learn. You can get better as a manager. You can get better as a leader. You can get better as a person. But also saying that, hey, uh, I like to hear feedback. I'm not an A-plus manager all the time. I can always get better and learn. I think that's important for someone to actually hear you say, what do you need from me? Or what do I need from you? I need you to hit me between the eyes with feedback. If you don't like something or if something is unclear, I need you to tell me because I'm not a mind reader. I need to hear that directly from you. And if I go maybe two or three meetings and I'm not getting anything, that probably means that there's still a, a wall built up and there's still some psychological size there. Or there's still some anxiety around giving that feedback. So I, I always circle around to it again. And then uh, typically the first time someone gives you feedback, they're a little bit nervous to do it. Uh, so when you get that feedback, you have to listen. You can't jump all over it. You can't jump in with your perspective or hey, I meant to, here's what I meant. Then you took it the wrong way or like throw it back in their face. Otherwise you're, you're going to turn that off. And, you know, sometimes they're right. Uh, sometimes they're wrong and we can address it, but at least the door's open for that back and forth communication. You know, you have a team of both hourly, you know, contractor people and you have a team of full-time employees and managers. And so this team is a dynamic team in terms of the way in which people work. How do you keep that team motivated and engaged where everybody's in a little bit of a different position? I think it's important to, you know, make sure that we're having opportunities for the entire team to get together. I think it's important that we have uh, mini groups on the team that is kind of spearheaded by a team lead or a supervisor or a manager of some sort, but, you know, myself and the team leads and the managers, supervisors, we all are locking arms around the same message and the same dialogue. And I also think on an individual basis, they need to understand where they fit and where they stand in the business and you know what their goals are and how, that, how their goals roll up to the team goals and what we're trying to do here. So you know, when you say like part-time individuals, uh, we have some team members that like basically work 10 to 20 hours a week for us. And that's what they want. They were looking for an opportunity to maybe in some cases like step back into the workforce or their personal situation only allows for 10 to 20 hours a week, which is great. Um, but that was, that was kind of clear on the front end and that, you know, those 10 to 20 hours they're given like a hundred percent 
to us. They're bending over backward for what we're trying to do here. And I think understanding, you know, their situation and that that's what they want and that's it is what it is versus, you know, someone who's on the team that is a senior manager, for example, that might be putting in well over 40 hours a week and we're all on the same team and just in different formats. I think once that structure was like just made absolutely clear, we were all just kind of locked arms moving in the direction regardless of, you know, any, anybody's uh, hourly status. What do you see as the opportunities here going forward for Lucas James, for your clients? And, you know, I would say for job seekers too, who are, who are looking to get back into the workplace. If we're being very honest with ourselves and not keeping our head in the sands, this is going to be a tough this is going to be a tough situation. And this is a lot of, you know, the term unprecedented comes out quite often. And that's a very direct thing that I just said, but as a, a leader of a business, I need to understand that, that scenario to uh, steer our ship and Lucas James talent partners in the right direction. And we need to model our business in a way that reflects that kind of environment. So specifically uh, our hourly recruiting services in this environment where companies are thinking about cost containment and flexibility and variability actually comes into play quite a bit. So if you think of a, you know, 500 person organization and they don't know where their business is going to be headed, they don't know if they're going to be more negatively impacted, they're going to grow out of this, uh, when things are going to get back to normal, they want to keep their HR and their talent acquisition teams flexible and scalable and that's, and that's what we do. And that's really what we're pushing to our clients is uh, we can be that flexible, scalable partner to you um, in this new normal kind of environment. And I think regardless of what your product or service is, you need to see how, how you fit within that. And you might need to create that vision, not only for yourselves, but for your customer base, because the, the, the old playbooks aren't going to be working anymore, at least for the, the near term. And, and I'm just thinking about you as not only a business owner, but also a father and just a, a person. How are you helping yourself show up on, on a daily basis with this right clear focus and empathy and willingness to learn and try and listen? How are you setting yourself up to show up this way on a daily basis? Yeah, it's tough. I'm, I'm just like everybody else. Um, this, this isn't what I thought April and May would be like this year. This isn't the 2020 that I envisioned in, in, 20, in, uh, in January, excuse me. And uh, I think for me to be able to show up how I need to Monday through Friday for my wife, my kids, uh, my extended family, my parents, and then of course the, the team at Lucas James Talent Partners, I need to make sure that I have my head very level with where it needs to be. You know, for me, I need to make sure that I have just something outside of work that I can just have like a little bit of Tim time with. You know, for me, I've picked up cycling over the past couple of years. If I can just get on my bike four or five times, you know, listen to podcasts a little bit. That's, that's my personal development kind of Tim time. And then as long as I can have that, I can come back home and, you know, be the dad or husband I need to be or the, you know, the leader at Lucas James that I need to be. I also think I need to pay attention a little bit to what's going on in the, in the news and then come up with my own hypothesis or projections on what's going to happen and how this might affect my family, how, how this might affect the economy and how this might affect the business. I try to keep a balance there 
between reading the news too much because there's a lot of negativity out there right now, but also being in the know of what's going on. Um, so I can see how the situation plays out. And I also think, you know, whether it's a team call with multiple participants, it's a one-on-one, -on -one, it's I shut the laptop down for the day and talk to my wife, take a two second, just spot check around who I'm talking to, where they might be in that moment and what I might need to be for that individual right before jumping into that conversation. Because if, if I'm not present, I'm not going to do anybody any good. Now more than ever, I think it's, it's tougher for everybody to be present in the moment with everything going on. But uh, I try to practice that, you know, right before I jump into a call, right before I close the laptop, right before I, I do whatever, just make sure I'm present in that moment for whoever I'm, I'm impacting at that time. Your mind can easily go to uh, scarcity and fear and worst case scenario and overthinking. And, you know, what I try to do is just put everything in perspective. I would, I would imagine if you have the time to carve out for a podcast and you're listening to this, you're probably in, in a scenario where there's other people out there that have it worse than you and probably need some help right now. You know, and, and there's, again, use the term spectrum, the huge spectrum of people. You can't control this. You know, there's, there's a lot of things outside your control. The only thing you can control is how you're reacting to it and how you're showing up to other people. And I, I if, even though it's really hard, I try to do that on a daily basis. Tim, this was, as expected, a blast and just really, really insightful. And I love the, the, the kind of the thought process that you took us through from how you deal, dealt with the situation and continue to deal with it to how you even think about how you show up on a daily basis. So thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Much appreciated. Want to hear more great stories like this one? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. And as always, you can drop us a note at openhonestanddirect.com. Thank you.